what a surprise that we still exist here on the radio because some weeks ago we heard the devastating news that there was a an asteroid or a hunk of rock that was headed towards Earth and it was about the size of how big was that one? I, anyway, it was going to come within a million miles of the Earth, so mm-hmm. roughly four times the distance of the Moon away from us and. People were freaking out again. Another asteroid on its way. One of these is going to be the big one that wipes us out. Sure. And uh, and here we are. We survived. We well, survived. We it are and, still here, Sean. And if we suddenly go off the air, maybe another rock hit and maybe. we were wiped out. You know. <laughs> well, here's what I I got all up in arms because I saw this not because I was afraid that an asteroid was going to wipe out all life on Earth. Um, I got up in arms because I saw this article that said um, Mercury is closer to us than any other planet. And it's like, that's not true. We all know it's got Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and and, and so on. Um, but then it, I, I slowed down and I thought, well, there must be a reason they did this. This is a pretty reputable journal that said Mercury is um, the closest planet to us. And, uh, and sometimes it is, and here's why. Because Venus, although it is closer, is often on the other side of the sun from us. And so mm. there are given moments where Mercury is the closest. So mm. I had to give them points, and it's just a reminder that sometimes before you critique somebody, find out why they said what they said. Mm-hmm. But we did survive the big asteroid hit. Yes, we it did. It came within a million miles of Earth. And uh, I guess it would be, it was going something like, I don't know, 23, 24,000 miles an hour. And I guess if it did hit, it would make a big mess. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Not as big a mess as I made in our last episode on marriage and dating, where I said that a good wife is like a fine piece of cheese. It gets <laughs> yeah. better with age. And my wife was not thrilled with being compared to a slice of cheese. Not the best analogy I've ever heard. Definitely not. No, no. okay. But, you know, as you get older, you might smell a little weird, but you'll still be a fine piece of cheese and uh, deeply appreciate it. No, not, uh, not taking it. <laughs> no, is he, what's even funny about that is that I come from, like, basically the cheese-eating capital of the world, the right. Netherlands, right? Yeah, and, and you're, notice, you're representing I, well. You're I wearing your orange I am wearing my shirt. Dutch shirt today mm-hmm. with the royal Dutch lion on it. It's mm-hmm. bright orange. I just decided to do that. And I don't, like, cheese isn't even really part of my life, which is odd for me, but you are, my dear, like a fine piece of cheese. Okay, I still don't like the analogy, but thank you for the sentiment Okay, but what if I make you like a craft single (laughs) so that you don't smell weird because you're wrapped up. It's an individually piece of... No, I don't want to be a craft single if I have to be a piece of cheese. What about vegan cheese? Um, You could be vegan cheese. No, I'd rather not. You don't even even want the word cheese cheese attached to your name at all. No, I'll I'll pass. All right. All of it. Our subject is marriage and dating (laughs) from a biblical perspective, and you just heard a marriage on the rocks is what you just heard right there, and we will try and repair it. Actually, we ran out of time last time. We were talking about, you know, what have we learned Mm -hmm. after 26 long, painful years of cohabiting together in the sacred bonds of marriage. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been more painful for you than for me. Uh, And we started last time with, uh, it it hasn't been painful, folks. It hasn't been painful. But Mm -hmm. we started with that premise in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul is describing the relationships between servants and masters, children and parents, and uh, husband and wife. And at the end, he's saying, what I'm really trying to underline here is the relationship between Christ and his church, between God and you. 
And uh, marriage, he says, is really the prime illustration we have for how God relates to us and maybe some of the relationships that God has in this universe and the lessons. And and we were talking, because Gene and I crossed about a year and a bit ago, we crossed the um, 25th anniversary line, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, what is that? That's your it's silver. Your silver anniversary. Your silver anniversary and it, right. it occurred to me that you and I were already dating when my parents had their silver mm-hmm. anniversary, and you were there as my date at their 25th wedding anniversary. Oh, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I actually bought you a dress for that. You did? Oh, I, yeah, you did. I bought you a That's dress. Right. I've that never cream-colored one. Yeah. Yeah. But you never, ever wore again. Well, I did wear it many times after that, but not in recent years. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I did one time choose a dress you for you. Did. And That's bought right. it for you. And That's so right. for all those who fail to believe that I am a romantic, mm-hmm. but you're actually right. I'm not a romantic. I mean, that that uh, I'm not very romantic, am I? Uh, yeah, you well you're you know what you are really good at you never forget our anniversary. No, because ever. it's the same day as Todd's birthday. <laughs> that's not why. Come yeah. on. No, nice I can try. remember because Todd's birthday is also the same day. <laughs> no, that's not why. <laughs> but um you you don't Oh, and Susan Lanigan's birthday is Susan's the same day. Susan's birthday is the same day. Isn't hey, Todd's Hey Susan, birthday? are you out there listening? The way I remember my marriage is because we ruined your birthday on our wedding day. <laughs> no, but you 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 never forget important dates like that, and you're really good at choosing gifts for me. I am you're not. Very you good. don't yes, like you my gifts. You're better at gifts than I am. You no. always make me weepy at Christmas and birthdays. Oh, and that's not my goal because you know stuff. men can't handle it when women cry. I don't well, want you, you to like get weepy. Good tears. I don't, don't know. No? I don't know. Well. I don't know, guys. Studio guys out there, can you handle it when your wife is crying? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, Stephen? No, got a no from Stephen. Harim? No, no, we can't handle that. So don't okay. do that. But then stop buying me such meaningful gifts. That's how you, you fix me. that. Name one meaningful <laughs> gift I ever bought you. You always get stuff. Okay. When we were first married, here's one example. When we were first married, I had some records still from my childhood. And as we were packing up our first apartment to move way up north, um, we were purging and getting rid of stuff. And you threw away two of my records, one of which I won in an ice skating competition when I was a kid. And then about a year and a half or two years ago, you gave, you found that record somehow, yes, it, somewhere. It was not eBay. eBay. I found it on eBay. You I've been looking for two decades. And this is this was not a common record. First of all, it was like a compilation, and it was in Canada, and it was a short run. And you found it, and yes, you gave it to I me as a present. Did. As a matter of fact, I found two of them and ordered them both just in case. Do you know I have a spare? <laughs> you have a spare now. I have oh, a that's spare. Funny. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I that's didn't think example. that. That's That's romantic? How is that yes. romantic? It's thoughtful. It means you think about me and you care about me. Well, I do care about you. Mm-hmm. And I think about you all the time. But, but that, how's that a romantic gift? It's not flowers. No, but you do. You have bought me flowers. Not yeah. recently. I no, mean, hey, no. oh, there's boy. a hint. Here we go. But no. Here we go. <laughs> you, you have many times when you've been traveling. Well, I am Dutch. Sent me flowers. I am Dutch. Why would I buy you flowers? That's not practical. Yeah. You say that on the air, but you're you're much more romantic than you like to no, say. No, but flowers aren't practical. It's a waste of money. They're dead in a week. Oh, we love them. Why? Because why would you beautiful. love something? Yeah, but why would you love something that's dead in a week? I don't you know. You know, particularly like 
roses at Valentine's Day. Yeah, they're overpriced. I always tell you not to do like that. Like a dozen at Valentine's roses Day. at Valentine's Day is like three thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to be dead in a week. And I always tell you not to do that at Valentine's Day. But yeah, okay, but but if I do do it at Valentine's Day, do you hate that? No. I why? Don't, I don't. Send I don't them back. get it. I don't. Guys, <laughs> do you get do you get why flowers matter? I don't know. They're not practical at all. That's why we like them. No, Ruben's giving a headshake. No, should, Ruben, Ruben, do flowers make sense as a gift? Yes or no? Uh, I mean, they keep they keep the household happy, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Uh, you need practical gifts, like a new skill saw. Or oh drill. yeah. Yeah, that. you need a new skill saw, or maybe um, maybe something nice for the car. Right, you've bought me stuff for my car before, which I love. What did I buy you for your car? <laughs> you bought me the little um, cup holder coasters, essentially that have the same make as my car on them, and they have the same colors as my car. And you I like that? I love those. Really? I think they're great. Cause see, it's thoughtful. Okay, it apparently my car. It is not that hard to be romantic. You are listening to Sean's School of Romance. <laughs> you know, Dutch people they romance their wives in the most practical ways possible. Well, t- generally, but you're you're you do know how to okay. do gifts. Okay, well. one one more question, and we do have to get to our Bible study. But Let's one more big question, I've got to ask you. Okay. A blender for Christmas, yes or no? If I asked for it, yeah. sure. How about because a vacuum cleaner? I've o- <laughs> no. <laughs> Guys, would you buy your wives vacuum cleaners? Uh, Steve I, actually, I, did. I actually have. Yeah. Once before. Really? How'd that go down? <laughs> for, I, I did it for Christmas, and uh, I got such looks, but I was like, she asked for it. Yeah. Oh, she see, did. that's the difference. Ah. If we ask for it, it means we really want it. We actually want it. Well, it seems like a fine yeah. gift, a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. I think this year you need a new nail gun and a compressor. See, that? there's no <laughs> that's way you, you can sell no, that. No, no, you totally need a nail gun and a compressor. <laughs> that's what you need. Mm, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. We're talking about, <laughs> we're, we're actually, as you watch our marriage fall apart live in front of the whole world, <laughs> we're talking about marriage and dating and some of the things we've learned. And, and what's exciting to me is that if this is actually a school for heaven, and it's a school where you learn about God and his relationship to us, we're, you know, barring an accident or my premature demise, we're about halfway through this now. Probably. and uh, mm-hmm. Or right about there, you know. A lot of people go 50, 55, 60. I've seen 70-year marriages. Can you imagine mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. What do you think I'm going to look like at 70th wedding anniversary? 70th. So I would be wow. 95, and I will still have all my hair. You probably will. And it won't be great. It better be gray by then. (laughs) I have a little bit. I have a little bit. All right. Looking back, let's just get started with the conversation. We're talking about what have you learned. Mm -hmm. Um, And the last time we, we, we did this... You mentioned a couple of things. Let's do it in bullet point format. Let's review okay. some of the things that we've learned. What are some of the okay. what were the some of the things you mentioned the last time we talked? So we we talked about Ephesians um, chapter five, which you just right. referenced right. that verse, and how really is. I learned, um, we read in this verse that God's talking about, you know, the man and the woman leaving their parents and forming their own union. Right. Oh, yeah, you really underlined that, and I learned something new when you did that. Yeah, that it was culturally, um, when this verse was written, the woman would leave her family home and she would join her sure. husband, probably living right under the same roof with the in-laws. And so this really underlined that they were, in fact, a unit now, and the decision-making power lied with them, you know, the old generation mom and dad didn't have a say in in their deciding their decisions and 
you know, I I said that it's been tough for us. We've for most of our marriage, we've lived away from our families. Yeah, that's but right. I really feel that that has allowed us to be the strong family unit that we are. Not first as the two of us, Aww, and now as the you four consider of us. us strong. I do. Yeah, I think, so do I. I think we got the family part right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And so I mentioned that. And what else did we talk about? So I remember, oh, the worst parts of marriage, they're they're going to happen. It's not yeah. just the better it's or not for if. worse. That's it's just not, not a saying. It's when. That's real. Yeah. But when you remain committed to each other and you, you are committed to each other, those difficult things, they stretch you and they try you, but they really do make the marriage stronger right. ultimately. And it, there is a little end. bit of a trench uh, camaraderie. Right. And I'm looking at it from the guy's perspective. I said this last time. Mm-hmm. When guys go to war together, that's how guys bond, right? Mm-hmm. They don't bond the same way women bond. We don't talk and share our feelings. We share experiences. Mm-hmm. But I think there is an element of that in marriage as well. These rough patches that you go through mm-hmm. are a blessing if you look at them. I mean, everybody hits rough patches. This is not a Disneyland world. Right. The reality of marriage is you're going to hit a rough patch. But you can look at that as an opportunity to face a challenge together come through the other end even more tightly bonded than you were in the beginning. Mm-hmm. They're playing the music on me. Already. It's not even, we should have asked for romantic music today so that I could sing to you about cheese. Oh my. And, and how lovely a fine piece of okay. cheese can be. Ruben, do not let him do that, No, please. No cheese music. Do we even, is there such a thing as cheese music? Probably. Gentlemen, think one thing you don't do when you, <laughs> when you date is do not compare your wife to be to a fine piece of cheese. You may, oh, Kyle just walked into the studio, he's shaking his head, no, don't compare your wife to cheese. <laughs> no, might smell a little funny, but very nice when they're old. We'll be right back. Most of us have lost a loved one to death, and the question we wrestle with in our mind is what exactly happens when we die? Do we go to heaven? Or do we go to hell, as some people believe? Find the Bible's answer to this question in our free Discover Bible Guides. You can get them at VOP.com, click on the tab that says Study, or just call us at 888-456-7933. That's 888-456-7933. Retirement planning can be a stressful process, but it doesn't have to be. The friendly people at The Voice of Prophecy can walk you through the entire process and explain all of your options based on your specific needs. Whether you'd like to set up a trust for income or make a gift that will benefit your loved ones and change lives through The Voice of Prophecy, we're here to help. To learn more, call 1-800-348-5993. back from the break. We were able to run out of the studio and sort of get a drink of water and do whatever else you need to do when you're spending the whole day in studio. (laughs) And our discussion today is about marriage and dating and what we can learn as believers from that process, what the Bible brings to the marriage and dating relationship. And it's a big, big subject because you and I have hung out together for 30 years. We've been married for 26. And I know if you're just tuning in that I've been in trouble several times for saying that, you know, a a good wife is like a fine piece of cheese. They smell a little weird when they get old, but, you know, they get better with age. 
And do you know no. what? Do you know what happened? Do you know what happened during the break? Ruben found a cheese song. Mm, a che- there's it. actually the most romantic song on the internet anywhere. Did you find that, Ruben? I did. It was beautiful. All right. Let's let's hear a little bit. Just <laughs> no. a couple of seconds of this fine romantic ballad that I uh, see Kyle way. All right. Here we go. Kyle's way in the background making shoveling uh, gestures like I'm keep digging my hole deeper and deeper. There it is. <laughs> See, the most romantic song on the internet anywhere. Okay, Ruben, come on. You didn't go there. You yeah, did. Valentine's Day is going to be very special for all Sorry, the wives guys. of VOP employees. Oh, dear. Yeah. 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 All oh, right. No. What have you learned over 26 years? Let me... Let me throw this in. I mean, the last time we talked, I said, you know, I've started to sense how much it is that God actually loves his bride, that Christ loves his bride. Uh, he laid down his life for her, and mm-hmm. it was without planning. I didn't train myself for this. This instinct kicks in. I'd, I'd take a bullet for the, everybody else. I would be the first to stand in line to make sure you're okay. And I'm starting to realize that's how God feels about me. Mm-hmm. He puts me first. Which is remarkable. I don't deserve to be first in God's universe. Um, the other one that I mentioned was what a gift somebody's entire life is. Christ gave us everything, laid down his life. And when you get married to someone, it is for life. And they just gave you their one and only lifetime as a gift. That, 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 that's well, mind-blowing to me. It yeah. really is. Yeah. What yeah. else have you learned in 26 years about, Ooh, well, what has wow. it taught you about life, taught you about God? What, what kinds hmm. of things... Have you been thinking about because we've had like some time since the first episode to think yeah so much but um we talked about getting through the good and the difficult times and something that you and i here here's something a little more practical all right something that you and i intentionally decided at some point i don't remember when but we just we didn't live with this as an, an unspoken assumption. You and I said this to each other. Divorce is not on the table, and it is not ever, an option. Ever. Right. Right. No matter so, how dark things get, yeah. that will never come on the table because we made a commitment for life, and mm-hmm. I think we would rather learn the lesson of getting through the tough patch than calling it quits. Right, right. Now, there are some people out there, I understand there are situations where you didn't have a choice. You're with someone who abuses you and your children or yes. th- those kinds of things, or they cheat on you. Yes. You know, There are biblical times when divorce when is an option. It, it's, We're it's not allowable, talking about that. And it may be the only option left. That's right. not what we're talking about. You right. and I have decided no matter how much we disagree about something, right. no matter, you know, there are times of life that are exceptionally stressful, exceptionally stressful. Mm-hmm. Your career is tough and then your kids have issues that they need help with and you're sleeping four hours a night for weeks on end and then there's tension in the home. And we have said right out of the gate, we said that we would take this vow to each other in front of God, and it's for life. Mm -hmm. And divorce will never be on the table as an Mm -hmm. option. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you, again, just speaking from personal experience, that's all I can do. When we got married, I never even thought that divorce was an option. I mean, you don't even think about that in the beginning of your marriage because everything, even the difficult times, are everything still is kind magical. of dreamy. Yeah. yeah. And so, but but I think, and maybe there's a couple listening to us now that is past the five or ten year mark of marriage, um, where reality is really, really sunk in. 
I think it was. <laughs> that sounds like that Does sounds that sound like you've dark? been. That sounds like you've been struggling with bitter disappointment since your tenth no, wedding anniversary. No, fifth. I said five or ten. Five no. or ten. Um, oh, so for 20, 21 years, 21 you've been years. gritting your teeth and bearing it. No, right. no, that's not what I'm saying. But look, we all know it. It is not. I think you used the analogy. It's not like a, a Disney story. This is this is real life, and real life is not always rosy. But. I think there was a lot of power and value for me when you and I just said to each other, we said the words, divorce is not an option. Correct. And so if you haven't just said that to your spouse, listeners, I think just verbalizing it, it it's powerful and it's meaningful. Huh. It, 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 sh- it shouldn't just be an unspoken assumption. Right. Um, hearing it from you, you hearing it from me, I assume, that you know, you know that person really believes that, that it's not just unspoken. So having said that, what else have I learned hmm, from marriage so much? But here's taking it back to how it's shown me what God is like. Um, You have really shown me, Sean, in your commitment to our marriage and the way that you have kept your promises and you have always been faithful to the promises you've made to me. You have shown me that I can trust you, a human male who is flawed. <laughs> no, no, wait a, therefore... minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, what do you mean? Yes, you're flawed. flawed. <laughs> well, you're not perfect. You are a human. But me having let myself trust you fully has shown me how much more I can trust God. Because if I can trust my life in your hands, how much more shouldn't mm. I be able to trust God, who is perfect and who does see everything? And so it's it's illustrated for me. My it's given me the ability to trust and to trust you, but to trust Him as well. Well, let me look at that from from a distinctly male perspective, and I think what. I have picked up in 26 years of marriage is that it's okay. Well, no, I, I want to make sure I phrase this correctly, that I phrase it exactly. Mm-hmm. I'll put it this way. Vulnerability can be worth it. Mm. And I say it that way because I am not naturally vulnerable. I'm an introvert by nature. I don't like lots of extended relationships. I don't like the entanglements involved in millions of friendships. We have a daughter who just never met someone who isn't her best friend. You know, that is not me at all. She's your opposite. And I think we all get burned along the way. You make yourself vulnerable and get hurt. Mm -hmm. And so, especially for guys, you know, here I am being vulnerable on the air, which is not a guy thing at all, but you start to say, okay, it's not worth it. I'm not going to expose myself. I'm not going to take these risks. I'm not going to put my intimate details in somebody's hands. Mm -hmm. And 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 yet I put all my intimate. There's nothing you don't know about me. Mm-hmm. You know I don't think so. I mean you know every, you know me better than I know you. Let's be really really honest. I mean, mm-hmm. you can tell when I'm trying to pull your leg. It's just there's some yes. some kind of a twitch <laughs> in my eye. Like okay that's not a true story. You know oh I just backed into your car. So sorry about it. And you just look at my face and you know that I'm just trying to tease right. you. Right. Um, vulnerability can be worth it. Now where's the lesson between me and God? Mm-hmm. Sinners don't like to be vulnerable before God because, well, sin is based in pride. Sin mm-hmm. is based on, I've got it from here, Lord. No, thank you, sir. I'll do things my way. And we're all kind of born with that. And the world kind of drills that into us. You are on your own. Take care of yourself. Watch your back. 
And then God says, I need you to be vulnerable. You want to be in a relationship with me. You're going to have to confess your sins. You're going to have to admit that you need my help. And I think that may be to a degree why so many men are missing from church because that doesn't come naturally to us. Hmm. I've discovered that it can be well worth the risk because you've never betrayed my secrets. You've yeah. never. No, now, secrets not. makes it sound like I have something Ooh. heinous in the closet. You know, <laughs> no, there are no dead bodies in my wake or anything like that. It's nothing heinous. No. But I've discovered it can, the, the rewards of allowing yourself to be vulnerable with someone that you've entered into a covenant with. Right. Worth right, it. And right. God invites us into a covenant with him. Well, and 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 I'll just add to that. It's I by nature, um I think I it's easier for me to be vulnerable and maybe that's my gender a little bit, but it's my personality. Having said that, um I I it's very, very, very difficult for me to be vulnerable with anyone but you and our daughters. You are my safe space. You're my circle right. of, of safety. And so being vulnerable with you is – it comes more naturally for me. And um, I think if you can't be vulnerable with your spouse and you then look for someone outside of your marriage that you oh. can be vulnerable with, yeah, no. that's dangerous, dangerous yeah. territory. No, and that's, that's right. where um, those you, – you start to become attached to the person or persons you can be vulnerable with. And so – if you can't be that with your spouse, I don't think you should be that with anyone personally. Well, I think that's also where a lot of trouble begins in marriages, when people wander outside the marriage covenant and look mm-hmm. for vulnerability and relationships that should exist in the marriage, and then you build them outside, and then suddenly there's an affair. Yeah, yeah. Um, And mm-hmm. that actually teaches you something about God, too, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, it, what's interesting to me is how often God compares his relationship to us in frankly, in in sexual terms, he's the groom, we are the the spouse, and he looks for marital fidelity, mm-hmm. and he compares going after other gods to marital infidelity. Mm-hmm. This is what mm-hmm. he would call fornication. Right. And so, when we form attachments to something other than God and give away what belongs to God, um, you know, idol worship is the example you find all through the Bible. You're giving. You're making yourself vulnerable to something or somebody that doesn't really care about you and you can't trust. And God is on the sidelines, frankly, probably hurt, saying, look, you can trust me. Why won't you trust me? And so trust in a marriage is an important skill to learn, and it opens your eyes. Maybe there is something I can trust out there. Mm -hmm. And and there is. I mean, something, someone, Mm -hmm. I should say. You Mm -hmm. can trust God with this stuff. It's worth it. It pays to be vulnerable with God. Absolutely. That's where the relationship with him really grows. That's where we really can um, have a deep relationship with God is when we're willing to open our hearts to him. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, there was a, uh, well, we're going to take a break here in a minute. There's a question I was going to ask you. Maybe I'll wait till after the break, but let let me say this. The other thing that I think I've learned over the years is that in a family, in an ideal situation, and again, I want to be careful. If you're not in an ideal situation, God loves you. He can bless your family. Mm-hmm. Um, but in an ideal situation, one of the things I've seen is that you really do, especially if you're going to raise children, you need more than one perspective. And it's amazing how your perspective uh, and my perspective of the same event will radically differ. <laughs> well, they will. Yeah, um, true. But they both bring something to it that individually we would have never seen or understood but the two of us raising children together 
suddenly we can see things, and I learn things from how you saw an event and how I saw an event that show me, well, you know, God exists in three persons, and not that they're ever in disagreement. The Bible says they're completely one, right? right. They're completely in harmony. But God is multifaceted, and by bringing the two of us together, he's teaching us to see the world maybe a little more like he sees it instead mm-hmm. of the way that Sean sees it. Although, I'm always right. No. You've been right more than me. I would guess that over the years you've been right more than me. You think so? Yeah, but it, it, it does blow my mind how we can look at the same event, say with one of our children. Sure. And you see it completely differently than me, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, at first I don't like that. No, no, I'm right. <laughs> but then you think about it overnight, and it's like, wow, Gene oh. saw something I couldn't possibly have well, picked up. Well, and I've had the same experience where I, I, your insight helps me to understand something, too. Yay. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, we just agreed on something, which is a great end to a segment. We're going to take a little break. Go to voiceofprophecy.com and take a look at the amazing biblical resources we have for you, and we'll be right back. Disclosure is just one of the programs brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy, like the audio adventure program, Discovery Mountain. Discovery Mountain is a weekly Bible-based program for kids of all ages and backgrounds. Your family will enjoy faith-building stories with Jake Donovan, (laughs) Mr. Simon, and others in this small mountain town. Each summer, campers visit Discovery Mountain, where they sing songs, learn about God, and reenact a Bible story with the help of drama teachers, Miss Wendy and Miss Tamara. With 24 full episodes every year and programming every week, your family will have something uplifting to listen to every week. Listen to episodes on demand and watch video features from Director Doug at discoverymountain.com or on your favorite podcast platform. That's discoverymountain.com. just tuning in, you are listening to Disclosure Talk Radio, brought to you by the good people at The Voice of Prophecy, on the air since 19... what year? 29. 29. Since 1929. I haven't been on the air since 1929, or I too no. would be like an old piece of cheese. <laughs> smell a little smelly, weird. Smelly, smelly cheese. Smelly, smelly cheese. Yes, and if you if you missed the first half of the program, you are not going to catch that reference, but you're going to want to go back and listen to it. Yeah, you will. Yes. You will see my romantic arts at their finest. <laughs> at their finest. At their me. finest. And if, if for some reason you did not care for the cheese analogy... Uh, please write your complaint letters to Gene Boonstra, Box 999, Loveland, Colorado. The zip code on that is 80539. And I know where to find you. I'll pass them right along. No, no, I'm not reading the complaints. <laughs> I know I'm terrible. All right. We're talking about, this is like the romance suite of disclosure programming, because this is our second episode on the subject of marriage and dating. And the reason Mm -hmm. that Gene and I have decided to chit-chat about marriage and dating is because, A, we're still learning about it 26 years into a marriage. Mm -hmm. And I know some are listening that you've been married for 50 years, and I know what you're thinking. Just wait, just wait till (laughs) you see what happens in the next quarter century. Sure. Agreed. I can't wait to see what else I'm going to learn, what kinds of challenges come our way, and and so on. It is fun to grow old with someone. 
Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, and it is rewarding. Um, but we're looking back, too, and looking at the next generation coming up, and we've got girls who are entering that phase of life where they may be out looking, may or may not be out looking for a spouse and getting into dating. And so that's what we're talking about because the Bible has lots to say about it, and the Bible talks about the fact that the marital relationship is meant also to teach us about God's relationship with us. And I remember a book that I read some time ago. It's been on the market for quite a few years. And I seem to remember, I don't know all the details, so this isn't a radical endorsement of the book in any way, shape, or form, but I think the book was called like Sacred Marriage. And I don't Mm -hmm. remember the author's name, uh, but he he makes this one point in like two or 300 pages. And the point is this, the purpose of marriage is not to make you happy, but to make you happy. Holy. It doesn't mean that happiness doesn't come in the wake of that, but he's very real. Not every day of marriage is perfectly happy. That's a myth. It doesn't work that way. And his argument is that God puts us in a marriage relationship not to teach us to be happy, but to teach us to be holy, to teach us about himself. Mm -hmm. So do you personally think there's any merit in that concept? Um, Do you think the world might be getting it wrong when they keep underlining this idea that marriage is there to make you happy, that you're going to find the one person who completes you, and that marriage is about personal fulfillment? Hmm. Wow. There there are a lot of questions within that question. Mm -hmm. There are. (laughs) Um, First, I think as I've grown in my spiritual walk with God, I, I really believe, um, not just in marriage, but in all aspects of life, that no one has been promised happiness. Happiness is fleeting, but what God does promise us is joy. And those are two different things. Okay, unpack that a little bit, because I'm not sure that everybody thinks that way anymore. Yeah, it's something that I have had to transition into myself and my own thinking, my own walk with God. But to be happy, that's where you're enjoying an experience and things are light. That's the way I think of happiness. Things are light and things are fun and things are maybe easy. Um, That's different from joy, where joy is where you say, okay, I, Lord, you have promised me good things. You have promised me a future. And in the marriage context, I say, I have a husband I love. I have the basic necessity. What? (laughs) Like you didn't know that. Come on. who we is ha- this man? We- <laughs> I'll introduce you. Um, uh, but even if, say, we're in the middle of a fight or things are not going never well happens, in the home. Never happens, yeah, no, Does we, not happen. Yeah, we never fight. We're both oldest children in our families. We're both stubborn. Yeah, we fight. But um, say that you're in the middle of a fight or things are not going well for whatever reason, there are a myriad reasons, but you can still have joy because the foundation is solid. And that's the difference. I mean, happiness, it is depends on circumstances. Joy is a commitment and, and a deeper purpose. It goes much deeper than mm. momentary happiness. That's mm. how I think of it. And so I think God does promise us that joy. We can experience joy in life, even when we don't feel happy and smiley, um, that wouldn't be realistic to think that we're going to go around happy and smiley every day of our marriage. Right. So, again, back to the marriage context. So, 
in scripture, God talks about his covenant with his people. Right. Um, he, after the flood, God covenants um, in the book of Genesis. He says that I will establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. So he's establishing that relationship with his people. And then let me just flip over here, Sean, to Le- Leviticus 26. Leviticus okay. 26, let me, verse 12. Let me get that too. This is okay. a be- this is a beautiful verse, and in its original context, it's talking about God's relationship with Israel. And it says, verse 12, I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. And spiritually, that applies to each and every one of us who are believers, that we are we are part of that covenant promise where God promises he is our God, we are his people. Wow. And... And really, our marriages are an example of that, aren't they? You and I have promised, we promised to each other more than 26 years ago now, that we're each other's person. <laughs> we are we are committed to each other. And so in that commitment, um, I don't know. I, I don't know that every day we we will be ha- well I do know every day we're not going to be happy in that right but we can especially when have... you're being stubborn and you know I'm right right those yeah, are the most I'm... unhappy days <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit I'm stubborn yeah. but you're just as stubborn yeah that's true yeah you're wearing that orange shirt for a reason yep um yeah <laughs> it's a Dutch shirt by the way it's a Dutch shirt <laughs> the Dutch are known for being rather blunt well and I definitely have Scottish blood in my line so there, there you go there's that but um in in spite of the the daily frustrations and things that don't make us happy and giddy and smiley we have that promise to each other just as we have that covenant God has with his people and there's that deep solid joy that's underneath all of it wow Mm-hmm. Wow. I do tend to agree with this premise that marriage is primarily to make you holy and secondarily happy. I mm-hmm. think happiness comes. Uh, I would use the word, you know, you're using joy for that. Uh, peace is sort of the way that I've thought about that is like, okay, not everything's great today, but I have peace. There is something yeah. solid here. Similar concept. That yeah. I can rely on. Um, and in the idea that you know, I think a lot of people now are approaching marriage and relationships looking for that person who completes you as if, oh, it's all about my personal fulfillment. I got to find the person that makes me happy. That's mm-hmm. backward. If you pursue your own happiness, and I, I know I'm a big believer in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that everybody should have the absolute liberty to chase those things, mm-hmm. that that, it's, that society works best when you leave people alone in their own pursuits. But the pursuit of happiness is a bit futile because your favorite subject is still you. Mm. And, you know, the Bible talks in Proverbs chapter 16 or Proverbs chapter 30. It talks about things that are never full. Mm -hmm. Starts in verse 15. There are three things that are never satisfied, four that never say enough. Okay, so the grave is one of those. Okay. You know, the graveyard's never full. Okay, that's enough dead people. There's always going to be more. It never gets to the end. The barren womb, that leaves a woman aching forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the earth that is not satisfied with water. It can rain once, not going to... And, and so, in the fire that never says enough, it won't burn any more stuff. And so, I'm... And it goes on for a bit, but I'm looking at human selfishness now. I think that I would add that to the list of things that are never satisfied. So, for example, somebody who has an addiction to whatever it is. Some people eat emotionally. Some people shop emotionally. And they're looking for something to complete them. And they go out and say, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a new 
suit of clothes. Yeah, I'm going to buy and I'll feel amazing. And they feel amazing for four minutes and then the emptiness comes back because Mm -hmm. the pursuit of personal happiness, looking for someone else to make you happy, that will never get to the end. And if you approach marriage that way, you're going to be disappointed because that person does not exist to complete you. Mm -hmm. The only one who Mm -hmm. completes you in this universe is Christ at any rate. That's what you're looking for. But in the marriage covenant, he's trying to teach you how that happens. He empties himself for you. Mm -hmm. And so in marriage, he's trying to teach you to live for somebody else. And it is remarkable how when you put someone else's happiness at the top of your agenda, one morning you wake up and realize, I have peace of mind. Mm -hmm. I'm happy because I wasn't chasing me now. And I think in marriage, God puts you in a situation where you can actually live for somebody else's happiness. And that's not an easy lesson. I'll be honest. You know, we're all selfish. And there's a lot of days you want to take care of your needs first it doesn't lead to happiness. And I think that might be one of the things you learn in there. Yeah, definitely. And you know what I think is is satisfying and being married this long, we've experienced this. When you put your spouse's desires and needs for personal fulfillment ahead of your like, own. Like a back rub tonight? <laughs> like Can I have rub. like a shoulder rub tonight? <laughs> I just, while I've got you in this spot where you have to meet my needs. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, we okay. can negotiate. But no, yeah. when you when you do that and that other person is, is matching you and doing that for you, you, that level of personal fulfillment it happens. It arrives because you're both wanting the best for each other. And so it creates a really healthy situation. Let me throw it at, at, at just a real a real example. Um, I've, <laughs> I've always wanted to pursue my master's degree. You've known that. Yeah. But um, I mean, if I if our situation had been different and God hadn't thrown us right into ministry, I would have just gone straight from my bachelor's degree into a master's degree and I probably would have kept on going. PhD in fellowship. Yep. Probably. Maybe it's because my earliest years were spent living on a college campus. I'll blame my dad for that. But um, I, you know that's always been part of what I've wanted to do. And so when the opportunity arrived a couple of years ago for me to pursue my master's program, you you supported me. Even though it took time away from the family, you, you realized, eh, she doesn't really need this. It's not going to change what she does for her career or for what she does for God. But it was something I personally really wanted to do. And so I started that journey knowing you were behind me 100%, even though you didn't necessarily see the value in it as I did. And recently, um, I made the decision that I'm not going to continue with that program. Uh, the director of the program probably just heard <laughs> that on the have, air. She may have, mm. but I I made that decision personally because I'm, I'm so involved with so many different things in ministry and this particular degree wouldn't change what I did for God. But, you know, there was there was deep meaning and satisfaction for me to go through the process as far as I needed to go and for me to be able to make that decision for myself, knowing that you supported me, yeah, whichever I decision do. I made. Yeah. And I know you still do. And so um, that that's that sort of symbiotic relationship right. that, that, that marriage allows when you you support the other person Fun. and you create the opportunity for them to 
pursue personal yeah, fulfillment. It runs against our grain to go. submit to somebody else's needs. Mm -hmm. uh, but God needs us to learn that because we will only find true happiness in submitting to his will. Right. And we think we, we, we we're so selfish. We have trouble coming to grips with that. But I think marriage is a great classroom to learn that in. Oh, my goodness. I'm happier this way. Yeah. We're going to take yeah. a little break and then I'm going to come back and ask you if you believe in soulmates, that there is only <laughs> one special person out there that you could ever be happily married to. We'll be right back. As you may know, the Voice of Prophecy is supported by people just like you. We provide Christ-centered programs and Bible studies free of charge so that no one is left out. If you've been blessed by these programs and would like to pay it forward, we invite you to visit vop.com give to make your tax-deductible donation. We're equipping the world for Christ to come, and your support will make a direct impact on so many lives. That's vop.com give. You toss and turn in bed and find yourself awake in the middle of the night. Your mind is in turmoil, and you're overstressed with the stuff of everyday life. You need peace and calm in the middle of the storm. The answer you need is found in our free Discover Bible Guides. You can get yours by contacting us at VOP.com. Click on the tab that says Study or call me at 888-456-7933. That's 888-456-7933. Well, here we are locked in studio together discussing the fact that we've been locked in marriage together <laughs> for 26 long, long, more than that now, by yeah, the time you're listening to this. More yeah, than 26. It's been more than 26 years. We are on the 27th floor of our marriage. There you go. Hopefully there are 50 or 60 floors in here because, and you know the rule, right? I die first. That has to be the way it goes because I don't want to be the one left behind. It doesn't always work out that way. Now, how does that for following up a segment on how living selflessly for others is the better way to go? <laughs> I'm planning to die first. Statistically, actually, we do go first. Statistically, but it doesn't always work well, out that way. Let me ask it doesn't. You, let me ask you this, and, and you know, I didn't cue you up for this at all, but um, traditionally, not always, but traditionally, women have married guys who are a little bit older than them, and we're about True. two years apart, yeah, a little less than two. that. Yeah. No, no, less than two years. A little less than two years. A little less than right. two years. Why do you think that is, that it pairs up that way? Mm. I have a theory, but I'd like to hear from you. Well, I think um, it generally, girls mature faster than boys. Yeah, that's And my, we're, we're typically yeah. attracted to men who are a little bit older than us just because we can relate better. Um, some, I mean, there are exceptions to the rules. Sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes guys are mature at a younger age, and and a girl who's a little bit older is attracted to a younger man. But I don't know. Generally, it seems that that uh, a little bit of an age gap yeah. with the guy being the older one is more but you typical. See, you see how this plays out in the end, though, right? Because we live a few years less than women do on average, too. So we're I'm a couple of years older than you. Mm -hmm. I'm programmed probably to live two years or three years or five years shorter than you. That leaves leaves you in the home stretch by yourself for like seven years. Aww. And so you'll finally experience some liberty. 
<laughs> Some liberty. Yeah. Oh, you know, dear. when I fall silent, you win all the arguments when I'm dead. Yeah. The house will be so quiet because you you are a very non-stereotypical male in that you out-talk me. No, that's not true. Oh, no, my no, no, goodness. No, 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 that's not yes, true. No, no, no. I'm quiet. I like long, <laughs> protracted... Quiet. I like long, protracted episodes of silence in our home. Don't yeah, deny that part. Yes, you do. Absolutely. I am but, a monk. But when times. you're not in that phase, you are the talker. That's not true. Really? No, that's uh-huh. not true. Actually, all my report cards in school said I talk too much. All of them. <laughs> teachers like, and the teachers would tell me this will never come to any good. I wish those teachers were alive right now. I am actually making my living talking. Yes, yeah. you are. If Look they could only hear it now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I promised before the break that we would get to, and I, I guess I'm trying to debunk. No, I, that's not fair. Now I'm stacking the deck in this question. But Hollywood in modern society kind of has a twisted view of love that they think is a correct view of love. And mm-hmm. before the break, we were talking about, you know, if you expect other people to complete you and make you happy, you've got it backwards. Right. In marriage, you're going to learn that submitting your will to someone else makes you happy, that living for someone else's happiness completes you. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the lessons we learn about our relationship with God. But then I said, you know, what about soulmates? Because I still hear, I know it's a, maybe an antiquated term, but I still hear people people and frankly i hear more females than males use this expression there's a soulmate my soulmate is out there somewhere there's only one person out there who is my ideal mate mm-hmm. uh, in your opinion is that true does god handpick people you know before they're born and it's only this one person you could ever be happily married to and you know there are some implications in this discussion that aren't going to make every listener happy but <laughs> but what do you think okay here here's the very short answer with the longer discussion explanation. I think, no, there is not just one soulmate for one person in yeah, this world. Yeah, that's where I am too. So, I mean, um, I've run across why? so many people, I think, since I've met you that I think, oh, what about her? Really? No, that has never <laughs> happened. You know that's true. You know that's not true, right? I know, but Oops. I can't believe you even no. dared to joke. No, no, no. That's, that's a, It's not, not true at all. No, I know it's I'm not. so happy. But I am, frankly, so happily married, it's almost sickening. Yeah. Well, that's okay. It can yeah. be sickening. All right. Um, so the answer, first of all, too, I want to disagree with what you just said, which is you think that women have this tendency more than men. I don't think so. I oh. think with dating, when you're dating, I think the guys equally have this just as the girls. Looking there for the one soulmate? The one soulmate. And maybe... You think we're deeper than we really no, are. No. And, and, and you know what? I think um, men are more visually oriented than women are. And I think sometimes yes. they want her <laughs> to look a certain way more uh-huh. so than we do. We, we obviously... And here, we are so generalizing here. It's crazy. But... I think we as females, we definitely want to be physically attractive to the attracted to the person we date. Sure. But I think maybe, But it doesn't matter as much. No, no, I don't think it does. And I think for guys, you might be holding out maybe a an a non-attractive girl is you you think maybe she's your soulmate, but you're holding out for the one who looks like you want her to look and is your soulmate. Wow. So I would not say it is a female thing. I think it's across the board, male and all right, female. All right. Definitely. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yes. I, so. Is there only one person in the universe no, you say no? I say no, but I do. Let me clarify. I do absolutely believe that God handpicked you for me. 
No, and I me feel the for same. You. I feel the same way. I very much. Feel Had that we way. not met, the big question is now. This is speculative. Would there have been yeah. someone else? I it probably would have been. Yeah, I, I have to think so. And I I think that God definitely. Neither of us were believing Christians, even though we'd been raised in churches. Neither of us were believing Christians when we met, and God brought us together to him and we grew in our relationship with god together which is is powerful and i wasn't a christian young woman praying to god to send me the right spouse as my daughters do they pray and they talk to god about this but god still sent the right person yeah, and I feel so the same even way. even before i even knew to ask he he connected us to each other so i very much feel he was in that process do I feel like he has our future sons-in-law chosen for our daughters? Yes, I yeah, believe I have, that. I have 100%. words. I have words for God every night about that. <laughs> you talk to him about that. Yeah, yeah. I do not but like young men. You're going to have to let that go eventually, though, nope, and let nope. two stay young, away from my daughter. Two men into our family. You've heard eventually. it here on the airwaves. Get anywhere near my daughter, and you will meet the wrath of Sean. No. It, young man, I'll help you. I'll be Actually, on your, your dad side. was really nice to me. Wasn't he? Yeah. I know. He was really nice to me. Yeah. I don't understand that. We should get him in studio because I don't get how he pulled that off. Well, if it wasn't for my dad, we wouldn't have even met each other. Oh, we so. met through your father. How we creepy is that, dad. right? <laughs> I, actually, he invited story. me home with a friend, and there was your picture on the wall. I thought, ooh. See, well, visually oriented. I just <laughs> yeah. proved your point. I don't <laughs> but, know. Well, here, here's the thing, too, about is there one soulmate for one person? Um Things happen in marriages. A spouse dies young, dies early. Does that mean that if when you remarry that this second spouse is not that you can't have the same depth of relationship with your second spouse because there was only one real spouse for you? I don't believe that. I I, I believe that um, God wants to bless that second union in the case where where um, someone is widowed. And. And that would disprove the idea that there's only one person for for every person in this world, right. in my mind. What do you think? Well, about I don't know. It? I what think are if your you, thoughts? I think if you invite God into the process, He definitely gets involved. I do believe that you were handpicked for me. I think God arranged that, and there's no time today to go over the whole story. I think there are clear indicators of it, but I also don't believe there's just one special person in the universe that you could ever be happy with. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. I think that's a Hollywood ideal that you will be unfulfilled till you find that one person, the one person. Person you're really looking for in this universe is Christ, right. to be honest. Yeah. And that's really the only place you're going to find fulfillment. And honestly, marriages become far more fulfilling when he is involved. There's really three people in a marriage, husband, wife, and God. Mm-hmm. There is. There are stories in the Bible. Um, well, let me, let me say this first. It, it seems to be the case that arranged marriages actually in this world survive better than the ones that come through the romantic dating process. They actually survive better, which means that there are people in this world to this day who have not met their future husband or wife until their parents choose it and line it up, and somehow those turn into very fulfilling, happy marriages. I guess you could argue that God made the parents pick the right people or whatever it is. Um, but, But, okay, let's talk about Isaac and Rebecca. 
Mm -hmm. Eleazar Mm -hmm. gets sent out to go pick a wife. I am so glad. I am so glad my parents didn't pick somebody to drive around the country and find me a wife. I got to find (laughs) you. That was exciting to me. But Eleazar prays, right? Right. Whatever girl, Lord, is perfect for this boy. Mm -hmm. Let her be the one. Let her be the one that comes out and doesn't just give me a drink, but waters all the animals. So he Mm -hmm. puts out this fleece, as Christians like to refer to it from, you know, the book of Gideon. And sure enough, Rebecca comes out. And so God did play a role. And it is my conviction that if you are a young person and you are in the market for a spouse, to put it in market terms, mm-hmm. ask God. You know, and we, I, I have tried to encourage our daughters. I don't know how that's going to play out yet because they're not married and they haven't even found their fiancés yet. Um, but I think that if you put in front of God, I want someone that I can worship you with. Yes. I want someone who values you, Lord, like I value you. I want someone who has the same goals in this life um, as they relate to you, Lord. I think that if you ask for those things, I think God smiles. God answers prayers that are in accordance to his will. That's what yes. Jesus taught us. And I think if you're looking for God's will to be done in marriage, that he'll definitely play a role. And so you can safely put yourself in God's hands there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah ab- absolutely. And God hears those prayers, as you said, and and he honors them. He, he wants us to be uh, well-matched in our marriages, and he wants healthy marriages where he thrives, and we're able to be a blessing to the rest of the world through healthy marriages. Yeah, I think so. So I guess the long and the short of it, we're going to run out of time today again, and there was so much, so much that I wanted to talk about, because honestly, Paul's completely right. That, that marriage is, and we're, we're referring back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30 onward or so, after Paul talks about human relationships and tells us that we should be learning about Christ's relationship to us. There is so much that I've learned. There is so much in marriage that I have found illuminates what I read in Scripture. Suddenly things make sense to me, and I'm not even sure I can put them all in words, but there are things that now make sense to me that wouldn't have made sense to me about God's character had I not experienced something Mm -hmm. not alike but similar Mm -hmm. in in, in the marriage covenant. So Mm -hmm. let me say this while we're on the air. It's just... I do. I thank God all the time, especially when you are asleep late at night. I Mm -hmm. look at you and I thank God. Like, how did I get so lucky? How did I get somebody like this who's willing to give me as a gift her whole life and that I can use that experience to learn more about you, Lord? And um, I know that we, we we get married till death do us part, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping somehow this goes on beyond that, that when I when I get to heaven, <laughs> I get to look you up, and, I, and I'm going to be able to do that because I'm not remarrying if you go first. Oh, yes. Well, no, a- no, again, I'll say this for the record. I don't want you to be alone if something happens oh, to me. Oh, I'm good alone. Come on. I'm a, I'm good. No. Oh, men are really good alone. Actually, God said no, the opposite. <laughs> right? God looked at Adam and said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Alone, right. And that's probably true in many cases. It right. doesn't seem to be the other way around. No, it is not good for the woman to be alone. We we seem and and you were talking about this uh, a few minutes ago. How 
statistically, you know, you're going to go first. Yep. That doesn't always happen. My maternal grandmother, she had a massive brain aneurysm and she died at 62. Wow. And my granddad was not equipped to handle that emotionally right. at all. And the rest of his years were, were difficult for yeah. him. They were difficult. And so God gives us each other because we need each other in this life. I really and believe there, there that. There you go. Yeah, it is not good for the man to be alone. That is the statement that God made and that's before sin. And for most men, it really isn't good for us to be alone. But you know, God's not alone. God is love, and he expresses love perfectly. And so you've got three persons in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. where perfect love can be expressed. And what God does is give us human relationships that can help us start to try and understand what the love of God is actually like. Mm-hmm. Have a look at voiceofprophecy.com. You'll find more episodes in this series. You might want to take a peek at discoverycenters.com because we are opening centers where you can go to study all across North America and find more resources and people who want to study like you do. You've been listening to Disclosure, talk radio from the good people at The Voice of Prophecy. I am Sean, and you are Gene, and until next time, we'll meet you again. Thank you.